Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to this. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. It is the Rugby Dungeon and we are back again. Well, I say again, this is the first interview I've done for a while had a few hardware issues, but I am pleased to inform you that I've got Mark Evans uh, next week and also an interview with Rob Kitson, which I just need to cut together. But before we do any of that, one of my favourite guests, one of my, in fact, my only ever returning guest, uh, the big man himself, the guy who David Flatman refers to as having animal strength, Carl Ferns. How are you, mate? I'm good, JB. Thanks. I'm honoured to be the the only one to come back. Um, Yeah, thanks for that. I'm uh, currently just Drinking a glass of red and eating a few uh, salt and vinegar sticks. So, nice. Uh, yeah. Nice. Good to go. L- living the continental life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, now, I know one of the most boring questions, and every podcast is asking it at the moment, uh, how are you dealing with lockdown? But I guess we must get it out of the way, because you are still, still in lockdown, right? Yeah, well, I was uh, yeah, I was in, in lockdown in France, uh, luckily in my, in my house, because a few of the lads were in, in the apartments in the city, and... Uh, yeah, so luckily I had a garden for the kids to run around in, and um, so I was there. But I'm actually back in. I'm back in the UK now. How uh, are you? Yeah, because I'm obviously leaving Leon, and uh, my family's going to be living back in the UK now. So I'm trying to sort out sort out a house for them and um, all the serious stuff, the big boy stuff. Where are you moving back to? Are you going back up to the northeast? Because obviously you're yeah. from the northwest, but you're going to northeast. Is that right? Yeah. So um, you know, I. I I wanted to live in uh, Cheshire way, but um, the, the Rachel's going to get, get away and we're going to uh, set up base up, up in the northeast. And um, yeah, so I'm currently looking at trying to find houses uh, up there at the minute. Yeah, now, uh, for people who aren't following you that closely over in the UK, just tell us a little bit now about your situation, because you were with Leon and you've decided not to stay with Leon. You had the option to, but you decided against it. Yeah, I mean, um, they it was a, it's a, been a weird, weird uh, contract negotiations, obviously, because first of all, you had the Saris scandal thing come out, and uh, then clubs were you know a bit worried about you know what they're going to do with Sari Cap, and you know a, a lot of a lot of indecision there, and then and then you had um, other, other, another thing I've forgotten, but yeah, another thing, and then you've obviously had COVID as well, which is you know again stopping a lot of the clubs uh, doing business uh, but yeah going back to Leon it was it was quite a 
you know, it's a weird one because they were saying that, you know, they want to keep me and uh, verbally they were saying that they're going to keep me and, um, but, you know, I didn't really get anything offered in, in you know, in front of me. Um, so, yeah, so then I just thought, oh, well, you know, after after what I've done for the club and how long I've been, been there for, uh, you know, I just felt I was a bit disrespectful. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I love my time at Leon. I've got nothing to... You know, not not bagging them, but I just felt that was a little bit disrespectful, and you know, for me, that that was probably the the time time for me to go. Then it's an interesting it's an interesting time that you've had at Leon because, you know, obviously when you join a club, things are said such as we have ambition, we're going to do this. You know, if you look at any promoted club in into the Premiership, for instance, I think with the exception of maybe Bristol and Exeter, they all have big plans and they all fail. But Leon had big plans, and they actually managed to hit most of their targets. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done at Leon because you know you look, we went from you know it was a yo-yo club really um, that was going up and down top fourteen to the Pro D, and I went there, and you know not just me but all the players that we've had and who've left now as well, and contributed to that. And we, you know, we not only kept them in the top fourteen, but we were in two, you know, I was in two semi-finals as well um, with them. Um, although I didn't play in, in a couple of them because, in the two of them because of because I was injured at the time. But you know, from going from probably the, I think we finished maybe tenth in the first season, and then uh, then we kicked on, uh, yeah, to two semi-finals. So I'm ultimately uh, really proud of what we've done there. Yeah, because um, I mean, I mentioned at the very start of the. At the very start of the podcast, I'm, I've just done an interview with Mark Evans, who's a fascinating chap, and obviously he's been CEO at, at uh, Harlequins, and he's writ- and he's co-authored a book as well about you know the future of rugby. And he points out that in the UK, the game has been professional for God knows how long, and something which I've never really thought of, the game has never really penetrated any of these bigger cities. Like, there's no team in Birmingham, is there? There's no team in team from your hometown, Liverpool. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> But Leon, uh, you know, it's a massive centre of population. Not maybe the first sport being, being rugby. In fact, you've got a massive football team there, and you've managed to do it, which is really unusual. Yeah, well, there's there's uh, there's obviously Grenoble um, who are pushing for top fourteen uh, as well uh, in the Rhone area, and then Claremont, uh, not too far away. So, you know, it is you know there's a lot of rugby fans around that area, and um, yeah, so. It, it is a big club now. So where where are your next steps, Carl? Where where have you decided so to I've, go? So I've um, so obviously I, did, I I didn't have anything coming from England, and I didn't really have any any other options. And I got a call from uh, Richard Hill uh, in Rouen. And uh, is that who's there? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's been he's he's uh, been there a long, long time Hang now. And he's been. Are, are we talking you know, Richard very, Hill, ex Worcester, the scrum half? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, so he called me up and he said, "Look, um, do you want to come to to Rouen? Uh, rugby in Normandy, you know, wants to wants to be bigger and you know really wants to go places. And he's got an ambitious uh, president, and uh, the club's really ambitious. And we'd like you to come and help us get up the the league and probably there, and uh, hopefully one day get into the top fourteen. And um, you know, it seemed like a real." really exciting project and bit a bit like 
a bit like Leon five years ago, you know, ambitious club, want want to want to get up the league and although, you know, Leon had already been a top fourteen club at, at that yeah. point, but it's still you know, it's still an exciting project and um, you know, they offered me uh, you know, a long deal as well, which at this stage of my career is good. Um it's a lot of commitment from them, and hopefully I can go there and repay that uh, commitment from them with with um, performing on the pitch so, like I know I can. Yeah, that is is really interesting. When you told me about the about your new deal, I did think exactly that, which is it feels a lot like where Leon were. Do you, do you feel in any way that you know that you've taken a step back, or that you kind of you've done this before and it's a real hard slog going forward? No, no. I think I think probably that I did. I did go through my head that people look at it and go, you know, what what's Carl doing? But I look at it in, from a, a long term perspective as well, because you know I can go there and if I perform well and um, do what I can, then you know I'm potentially post rugby. You know, things could things could work out for me in coaching wise and stuff like that. And you do, you don't really know um, you know what what else it can bring further down the line and. You know, that's the way I was looking at it, and and it's a chance for me to go somewhere where, you know, I'm going to have a big say in in how they play and what and what we want to do, and and um, you know that, that excites me. Now, um, just before we came we came on, on air, I sent you a, a clip. Uh, we're going to have to talk about this because, of course, you're one of the few guys. Well, not one of the few guys. You're one of many guys that were there. But you've been a little bit outspoken about it before. And the clip was from House of Rugby, the Joe, the Joe podcast with James Haskell, and uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. How, how, how awful! <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah. Well, well, with James Haskell, I, I feel terrible now. Uh, uh, and they're interviewing um, Sa- uh, Sam Burgess, who yeah. had some. I mean. What was your immediate reaction to that? Because uh, it was quite a jarring clip about the state of Bath and that team which you eventually left to go to Leon. Yeah, well, it didn't it didn't surprise me really um, because you know when I was there, I, I, I actually I cared a lot of it. What he said it, it reminded me of you know my chats with Mike Ford and. Um, you know, me telling them pretty much exactly the same, and uh, in the preseason before before I actually left, um, you know, I said something similar to him. Really, like after what happened with Gary Gold, I didn't really you know want to play for him. Um, yeah, because yeah. I felt felt um, you know there was. Well, what, what, you know, I don't. I, I sort of don't want to. It's not a jump on Mike Ford like day really. Jump on Mike Ford day. He's, he's, he's got <laughs> enough grief off uh, Sam, but but. Um, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, because you, I mean, when we spoke in the past, you are a, a very, a very big Gary Gold fan. Yeah. Um, so just, just tell me a bit about working with Gary Gold. Yeah, well, I think a lot, a lot of players probably you know don't necessarily agree with how he wants to play or you know his his systems in in, in rugby. But for me, uh, you look, you only have to look at the squad he he created a bath. Um, and that was destroyed within a year after after he left. Um, uh, you know, yeah, you don't have to look at that and and the the way he, he, he was an honest bloke and like um, yes, you might you might not agree with what what he was saying, but at least he 
you know, at least he was honest with you and you knew where you stood. And and for me, if if someone's honest with you and you know shows you know, you show you know show loyalty to them and stick by them. Uh, would you describe Mike Ford in the same way? Uh, no, no. <laughs> um, I I personally felt that um, you know he would have other agendas as well, uh, hidden agendas, and you know I, I feel like I'm I'm a bit of an open book really, um, and yeah, that's how, how I felt with Mike. So I just find that really weird the fact that he had like a hidden agenda because I always think like if you're director of rugby at Bath, like. What more agenda do you need? You're pretty high up the pecking order anyway. You've got a great squad. If they, you know, if that Bath team had won a European Cup, or if you'd have beat, beaten Leinster, or if there's a different bounce on the ball in a Sar- in that Saracens final, he probably would be next in line for England anyway. In fact, you kind of think all he needed to do is stay in the Bath job for a little longer, and he probably would have had the pick of the England role anyway. Yeah, well. Uh- it's it's mad though because obviously we were winning, you know what I mean. So we were winning a lot, and uh, obviously people didn't see that then. Um, but you know, we've from I think we had a senior player group who were a bit embarrassing as well. Like they they just were pretty much yes men and just basically did did what you know what it, what Mike said and didn't really for me didn't really listen to a lot of the the voices in in the in the team. Um, do you think it was more a case of the wrong players were senior at the time? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, probably not. No, because you had. It's, I think it's a long time ago now. Uh, we had probably Francois Lowe, George Ford, uh, Rob Webber, um, a few other guys. But no, they probably were. Were seeing senior players in that in that squad, um, so no, probably not. I couldn't I couldn't attack the, like the personnel there, yeah, uh, yeah. the right personnel there. But so I always think I always think the shame about that Bath team. Well, it's probably my favourite professional team in. Oh, I don't know. Uh, since I've been covering rugby, I just loved. Uh, I, I love the fact of where they played. Love the history of the club. I love the composition of the team. I love when they got it right. That you know the style of rugby that rugby that they played. Basically, just every, everything about that everything about that team excited me. The size of the back row was pretty exciting. Yeah, we had uh, Leroy. Leroy played a lot like eight that year, and um, you'd have Francois Lowe um, and Sam, and then Matt Garvey as well, uh, who started to play a bit more second row. Because um, we had a lot of options in, yeah, in the back row, um, yeah. So yeah, we, mate, we had, mate, it's a hell of a team we had. Like um, if, you, if you look 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 back at it, it's like we had, you know, Paul James, um, that's Rob Webber, yeah, because um, that's a guy Wilson. that is massively underrated. Paul Paul James sort of left Wales and he was sort of okay. Like we knew he, he was good. He came to Bath and just established himself as an absolute dominant scrimmager. Yeah, yeah, we had an unbelievable, unbelievable team, um, and yeah, it was. Well, unfortunately, it got it got a bit uh, broken up how, over the years. How do you compare that team to the Leon teams that have just uh, have been around in recent years? Because I mean, they're pretty exciting as well. And for all the stars that um, Bath had then, Leon also had quite a lot of star power. I mean, including people like 
Freddie Michelak. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, like Leon, they've got a lot of good young young French players. I mean, um, on the last on the last podcast, I I uh, I pumped the uh, Lambie's tyres up, and uh, he ended up proving me right. Yeah. Luckily, um, so yeah, we've got people like Lambie, um, Baptiste Couillou, um He's he was he's. You know, he played he played for France already, and unfortunately, he had a bit of an ankle injury, and he, he's uh, you know, he's getting back to where he was. Um, we got Thibaut Regard, uh, Dylan Cretan, um, all the a good young nucleus of good French players, and um, yeah, so they're they're in a good good spot. Uh, they're losing, obviously, me and Liam Liam Gill. Um, Where's which, Where's Liam Gill going to? He's off to Japan. Is he? Yeah, a bit, yeah, a bit closer to. Um, I think he is. I don't know if that's been announced yet, but um, maybe, maybe he's gone to. Maybe yeah, he's maybe gone, he's gone yeah, to Japan. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think he's he wants to be a bit closer to to um, Australia. What twelve? <laughs> just just the twelve hours away, yeah. <laughs> it's not. Um, is it that from Australia? It's not. It's about six, is it? Oh, I think it's about twelve, mate. I think it's like going from like. Is it not like going from here to South Africa? Um, it's a long old no, distance. I it's long, but I don't know whether it's twelve hours. I'll, I'll check. Yeah. So just going back to the um, you know the, pre uh, the Premiership versus France a second. Um, you know, would your preference have been to come back to England if that if there was the right offer? Uh, honestly. Yeah, I, I wanted to. I wanted to come back to to England. Yeah, uh, but um, obviously with everything that went on and with the pay, uh, with with clubs giving players pay cuts, that it's pretty bad if they seem to be re-signing players. And obviously they started started up now re-signing players, but at the time I was out, they were. Um, that's all I was getting from my agents. Um, you know, clubs don't want to be seen to be doing business when when that's going on. It's mad. I mean, I can't. I, I, I mean, I'd be interested in in your view on this, but I can't get over the fact that the clubs are just able to give players pay cuts of twenty five percent and just say, "Well, that's it. Sorry, uh, sorry, lads, you don't like it. Go somewhere else." I, I just can't believe well, that. That's well, the thing is, they they can't go anywhere else, can they? Because all the clubs have got together and said, "Don't steal our players." So um, the yeah. players can't can't really go anywhere. So. Um, yeah, so allegedly, allegedly, and I don't know this for a fact, uh, so I could be spreading rumours here and whatnot, but allegedly, the stance is they all agreed not to sign each other's players, which is madness. Yeah, that, that, that's what I read as well, that's what I heard, so it's funny, isn't it? Well, yeah, and the problem with that is, of course, it's one thing saying to an individual, we're not going to pay you to, uh, pay you any money, or the money that we owe you, but that's fine, because that's a breach of contract, you could go elsewhere. What's not fine is then to say to everybody, oh, yeah, but no one sign anyone else's players. We'll just sort of collude and no one will sign, sign, sign anyone. <clears throat> because ultimately, these lads are worth money in the open market and they should be able to go. You know, if, you breach your con if you've had a breach of contract in your player, you should be able to go somewhere else. Yeah, it's like almost like a restriction of trade, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And I just can't believe that no one has fought harder. Well, yeah, well... Is that's the job of the RPA to help the players, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, I've got mixed views on them, though. I've always had a lot of respect for what they do in terms of welfare. But 
when it comes when it comes to paying contracts, I can't help but think they're well in over their head. Yeah, well, they they do like you say they do a lot of good good things and help a lot of a lot of people. Um, but you know, when I look at contracts and the the security within them, um, you know, and ultimately they're they're in the room with the RFU, you know, go you know making decisions about these things. Um, you know, I question whether they truly, you know, have, have our have our best interests at heart. If, you know, some of the causes you hear about uh, injured players getting released and things like that. Um, I, you know, I just want to have a real look at that for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there because I don't think people realise that so much. But, you know, an injured player, I mean, if you're, you know, let's just think of someone, well, you actually, you know, if, if you're at a team, the chances are you're quite highly paid and you're probably a first team and they're going to want you to want to keep you around. But if you're not in that bracket, you know, you get an injury, you know, the, the injury um, clauses in, um, in the premiership contracts, they're not actually that secure. No, no, it used to be, I think they changed it, but it used to be like six months and they can flick it. Um, but they've changed it now, I think. Yeah. Uh, anyone to support hard enough uh, for the for the Premiership players to make sure that they get 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 what they owe. And also, I just yeah, would, want... would you think would you think the best way of doing it would be to to sort of get credit or like uh, well, credit so the t- the club can say right we're we're taking this off you we'll pay you it back when you start playing again or is that what you were thinking? Well, basically, I mean, I think there should be a range of options, and I think the option should be something like okay, if you accept your pay cut right now, we will give you your money back in the future when we can afford it. I think that's kind of fair. You can see why uh, it's a tricky tricky situation. The, the, the clubs are missing their match day payments. Uh, sorry, their match day income, although they've got all their BT income. Um, and, you know, their TV rights are, um, are up. So if they get, a, you know, an increase in TV revenue, well, then they should pay, pay back the players. Because ultimately, if that if those clubs are worth what CVC think they're worth, and then they go out and get more TV or a larger t- t- a larger TV deal, all the owners that say they're losing money hand over fist, and I don't believe that they're not, but the capital which they own in those clubs has increased, and I don't see why it is fair that a- an owner can have a club um, and basically build the capital off the back of their players without paying what they have agreed to pay. That's what I don't get. And also, most contracts will run out in two or three years. So you can either borrow money to pay them, or you can dilute your shareholding to get some more investment. But there's loads of thing, things you can do, and they've not done any of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean, we, we're all, we're on, all on cuts uh, in France. And, um, I mean, I have any... Well, I'm leaving Leon as well, so I was, I was happy with just to, to take the cuts and... Just for my contract to, to finish, um, so yeah, I, I I agreed to 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 do it, but obviously, you know, deep down wasn't didn't fully agree with it. Yeah, uh, what is the situation with the, with the French players in the French league at the moment? So they're on uh, minus twenty five percent, but all the uh, they're pretty much being they're on sort of partial chômage they call it. Um, so the clubs. The, basically, the government are paying the players and topping up, uh, topping up uh, the clubs. Um, but then there's talk of them now 
continuing the 25% cuts into next season. And then the, the players are now objecting to that and trying to negotiate that down is the last I heard. Yeah, and that's exactly what I thought would happen in the Premiership, and that's exactly what happened, which is the 25% cuts started as, you know, oh, it's a temporary thing, and now they're permanent. And you think, it's just it's just not right, particularly as everyone has it. I mean, nobody is employed in, in a rugby club who is on the playing side, just on standard PAYE, just you know, a stand, standard contract. And if they were, they would be made, they'd be made redundant, but they could just go to a new employer. Because the clubs have cut off the the angle for them to go to a new employer, and they've cut yeah. cut, cut their contracts, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. And they would have run out of those contracts would have run out anyway. In which case, you can then negotiate a deal on lower pay, legitimately. Yeah, and another, another thing, going back to guys out of contract, um, you know, you've got a lot of the Southern Hemisphere boys now coming back onto the market. Um, which isn't helping. No, guys, guys, guys are out, out, of, out of contract. So, you know, there's even you know guys like uh, Nick Abendon on. You know, still hasn't. I don't think he's still not got anything, and um, you know, a few other guys. Is that right? How do you think it's going to pan out then? Do you think there's going to be a load of guys all heading to Japan? I mean, there's only. It feels like there's only a finite amount of places that rugby players can go. I wonder if we're going to see a stacked championship or something. Yeah, but, uh, potentially. I, I mean, you've you've seen a lot of uh, big signings in Pro uh recently. Um, I think uh, the cast number eight, too too low, too low, too low is it? Uh, he's yeah. gone there, and a few a few of the big signings. Um, so yeah, I think you'll see a lot of guys who are struggling to find deals. You know, go into the championship or Div Two, um, yeah, or Div Two in Japan maybe, and things like that. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, the one, uh, the guy who I interviewed not so long ago, uh, Charlie Walker, found himself in a similar situation, which is nice little contract in in Harlequins. All of a sudden, there's nothing on the table, ends up in Zebra for a lot less than he was on in Harlequins. And he'll openly say, he's openly said that. And I just wonder, you know, if there's there's lads who are not getting snapped up up like Nick Abendanen, uh, or, you know, someone like yourself not coming to the the Premiership, you know, not everyone can go to Japan. I wonder where they're all going to end up. And then you've got the Australian lads too. Not to mention yeah. the South Africans are always looking for uh, work over here because of the strength of, the, the strength of their currency. Yeah, and I've just thought as well, going back going back again to um, the cuts and things like that, what you're finding now is as well that a lot of the new players uh, that clubs are signing, um, the, the players are signing deals that, um, you know, aren't... Aren't eligible for further cuts, so really? I think, yeah, yeah. So I think you're going to have a big problem when new players go into clubs, and then the other players find out what they've they've been given cuts when the new players haven't. Yeah, um, yeah. that's so yeah. that's the next big problem, I think. Well, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, there must be some players in clubs who are immune from cuts. I would guess. I mean, if you want to keep your star, you might say to your stars, "Well, yeah, you're not going to get 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 cut, but everyone else is." Because I guess yeah. the guys right at the top of the tree can go wherever. I mean, the marquee players can literally go go wherever they want, unless they get rid of the marquee. No, sorry, they can't go wherever, wherever they want. They certainly couldn't move in in the Premiership, but they could go over to France for huge money. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an, another, probably another management thing for for um, DORs to to sort out. 
Would you accept less money for less games out of interest? Uh, yeah, yeah. What do you reckon that like the optimum amount of games is for lads to be playing nowadays? I would say your very very max would be uh, 20, 20, 28, 28 games. I mean that's I'd still say. huge, though, isn't it? Would you include it's it? It's still big, but but um, you know, I, I'd probably. No, but if a club's getting tw- 24 plus games out of their big players, then they're happy, surely. 20, I would be looking something between 16 to 22, I'd say, including internationals. Yeah. I mean, if you think about how. I mean, if you think about when you first sh- sh- showed up at sale and how the physicality is there, or when. Well, sorry, when, when you were first there. And then you think about what you see at the top level of the Premiership, Europe, and uh, top fourteen now. Yeah, it's moved on so much. I just don't think it's sustainable. Plus, your international commitments, which is a level up again. I can't see how it's sustainable to go for thir- you know for thirty games a season. So you reckon you'd go like play a play a passport sort of thing, like make so you've got it logs all your games and you can only go to that certain. Amount of games. Yeah, I think that it's a difficult one because either the squad's got to get bigger, but if the squads get bigger with a decreased salary cap, lads got to get paid less, which is a real pain. Also, I mean, if if the international money continues to be a real big, real big contributor, which it currently is, I mean, twenty grand a game uh, is still a large amount of money for England. There's going to be a massive difference between how much the international lads are on compared to someone who might not be quite as good. But you know, even like a a good club player will be on substantially less, substantially less yeah. o- uh, 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 overall. So I think well, the, the middle gets squeezed a lot, though. Eh? Um, the middle of the games getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed, and quite rightly, the internationals get paid very well because they're internationals and they're very good. Mm. Uh, but like you said, the the you know the club, the out and out club player is um, is probably arguably more valuable than. An international player for the club, um, in terms of the, the amount of games they play, um, they they really are getting squeezed at the minute. So, yeah, yeah, I mean that's a good point. I, I, yeah, so in terms of internationals, I wonder if I was a DOR at a at a rugby club, whether I would pay more money for someone like John Ross, just off the top of my head, because he is the captain, plays every game, and he's never going to get 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 called up, or I would pay for an Owen Farrell he was amazing when he plays but you might not see him for half the year I wonder if, I wonder if the clubs are going to break it, break it down more uh, more like that yeah well I, I personally reckon they, they should central contract England players and, and, then, and then obviously uh, I just think that'll work better for me yeah uh, just on that um, did how did you ever? Did, how did you get on with um, trying to trying to play for France? Because we, you did have a little bit of a, a laugh and a joke about it at one point. Did you ever like pursue that seriously? Yeah, well, like, I, I genuinely did. Yeah, I was, I was like, because I was um, no at the time I was playing well, and I thought, oh, you know, I reckon they'd they'd want me because I looked at the, a lot of the back row at the time and um, the. They were um, they, for me. It was, you know, it was there was a big chance that I could actually do it. Um, but then I think me playing like two minutes in a, against Canada in a 
um, in the Churchill Cup. I think it scuppered me. Yeah, nightmare that. But uh, yeah, so I played. I played a, a grand total of something like <laughs> nine nine minutes, and it nine, uh, nine tied me to uh, to England. Nine of the most expensive minutes of your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I would, you know I would have got there, but you know I would have liked to have uh, been given the, the chance. I don't think they'd have pick, picked an English bloke, though. They if might I'm honest. Have. I mean, they picked plenty of New Zealanders. Well, I think of one. Yeah, but not the English, mate. Oh. The crunch. There's no way they would have let any, an Englishman play for them. I was about to say Richard Richard Paul Jones did it, but I got confused. He uh, he never did. He played for England, but was one of the first guys in France. Uh, did did you actually speak? Did you actually speak to to anyone from the FFR? Or no, FFR? no, no. I just spoke to my agent. I said, "Oh, can you you know work out?" Because I knew I knew that that I'd, I'd played in them games, and and I had the suspicion that that would have tired me. So. Um, they just got back and said, "Yeah, I think I think you you cooked." Oh, yeah, it's annoying that because they can only nominate one team at a time, can't they? So yeah. Mike Haley is a great example who played both a team and played I don't know whatever it is, twenty ones or whatever it is, twenties or whatever it was, and they can only nominate one capture team. So although he's never been a full England international, everyone assumed he was captured by either the twenties or the A team. But because they switch it around and nominate it at different times, he sort of avoided it and now can play for Ireland. It's just, it's oh. mental. It's mental that he he can do that. And well, I, I guess he, I guess he's got slightly more Irish heritage in him than you've got French heritage. So there is that as well. Yeah, yeah. That was a funny, um, it was a funny phone call out there with with Eddie. Um, with, <laughs> well, well, it was. Um, it was actually good. Good. It was good to get communication from them, from from England coaches really in in that period because you know the when I when I was in England initially, I remember the first time I got called to play for England. Um, it was off the back of a a stag a, a, like a stag do in 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 Magaluf, and I, I had no idea I was on the radar. And he called me, and Lancaster called me after. Seven days on the on the smash with my mates eating KFC at oh. two a.m. Um, <laughs> I ended up getting a phone call. Lanny saying, "Oh, do you want to come down uh, and play uh, against the Barbars at, at, at Twickenham?" And, I, and I, in my head, I was like, "I should say no to this because after 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 all that I've done, after, you know, being out in on the stag do, I said I should say no to this." But I ended up saying, oh, "Okay, I'll come down." Because he I- said. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You'll just be on the bench. And then I went down and um, first day in training, Callum Clark gets injured and he says, oh, Ferns, are you starting? So I uh, ended up starting in the worst shape of my life. Um, uh, yeah, that, and then I got, to make things worse, I got a yellow card. Is, so, like they always say about, um, they always say about the Barbos team that you know for that week that the Barbos are together, they have a hell of a time. But for England, it, it, I guess it's a, it's it's actually quite serious. Oh yeah, it's re- real real serious. Yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah, so I went there and obviously turned up, and then yeah, in in hindsight, I should never have went because I just got labelled then like unfit, fat, horrible, like, um, yeah, yeah, so, so it wasn't great, it wasn't great for me, and it took me about three years to get back in the frame then after that, um, bloody hell, did, yeah, and, did, 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 did you manage to carry much? Uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah, but, like, I, I ended up, like I say, I ended up getting a yellow card, um, and, you know, I've only ever had five yellow cards in my whole career, that's so. disappointing, yeah, for a back row, it is pretty disappointing. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I ended up getting, and we lost. I think, I think Freddie was at ten. Freddie Mishlap was at ten for the Barbars that day as well, and we lost. And I think it was the first time they'd lost in ages. Yeah. And then I, I just, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's me, that's me not playing for England for a long time after that. And and do you get any feedback after a performance like that? Do they just say, oh yeah, well done, and you, the phone never goes, or you know, how do you? Do you get a sense of what's going on in the coaches' minds? No, we didn't really get. Well, I didn't really get much feedback. But then that that, that was the dis- the most disappointing thing because wasn't really in communication with them or getting feedback. And like I say, going back to Eddie, at least at least the um, you know he's in communication and you were getting getting feedback and where where he thought you stood. Um, so you know that was really good. That was really good. I obviously disagreed with. A few things he said on what the phone. He, what What did he say to you on the phone, which you really disagreed with? Oh, I, I, I was fuming at the fact when he called me a whinger and a moaner because I said, <laughs> "Look, mate, I'm not a whinger and a moaner. I, I, I left Bath after being in a Premiership final to go to the to the, to the second division of France, and then I, Nan and, and at the time I said, now I'm the best number eight in the top fourteen. I said that's not that's not whinging and moaning. I could have sat at Bath moaning about it, but. You know that's taking big risk in my career, and doing something about it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think, well, didn't really have much to say back to that because it's all true. So, um, but ultimately, I, you know, I'm not stupid. You know, he's he's ringing me because he would want me to come back and fight for a place. Um, so, you know, but ultimately, I, I didn't. I felt the best decision was to stay to stay in France at the time. Yeah, because obviously, you know, you signed that rather infamous deal now with Gloucester, which, um, you know, yeah. it, it turns out you might, right, might right, you might have made the right decision. Well, yeah, well, when I, when I did the, did the U-turn, I, you know, in my head, you know, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going back for pretty much half the pay, you know. Yes, if I play for England, I can, I can earn more. Um, but, you know, I was only... If I get an injury and I'm at Gloucester, um, injured, 
which which turns out it, I actually did. I ended up doing my ACL uh, again um, about two months later. Uh, yeah, you know, I just felt that would if I was at Gloucester injured, and it would it would break me to be honest, knowing that I could have could have uh, been back over there on on double what I'm on, pretty much. Um, so yeah. It that, turned out it was the right decision because I did my ACL for the second time and about two months later. Because that England money, or the thought of the England money, is really nice. But actually, yeah, what stops you from being the, ne- the next Nick Zikwe or Luther Burrell or any of those things? Yeah, um, Tamarna Harrison, who is a fine, fine player. I like him a lot. But, yeah. you know, he has one bad half. You never see him again. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I'm not going to put put that in the hands of someone else you know yeah yes I could have done could have come back and and no, and no doubt the form I was in you know I, I was saying oh, I would have got an opportunity I would have definitely got an opportunity because I was playing I, I was the, like I say I was the best number eight in the top 14 that year and if they carried on the form I would have got the opportunity but um, you know it's it's not all in my hands like Yes, I could have worked hard and did everything I could uh, to be in the best shape, the best... Uh, You're absolutely right. It is not in your it's hands. It's not all in my hands, so I didn't want to go back and, you know, put it in the hands of Eddie. And that's the thing, really. I think that's a kind of unfair position to put a player in, which is um, come back, but you've got to do these things which will be detrimental to your career. But, hey, you might get an England place. And if you, you, know, if you get as many caps as, say, Chris Robshaw or someone like that, brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant, but you just don't know, do you? And it just takes a change of coach, or it yeah, could be anything. Absolutely, because it's not like, yeah, like you say, it's not like I was. I had thirty, forty caps behind my name. You know what I mean? I was. I didn't have any caps at the time. Um, so so yeah, uh, it was uh, a big decision. It was a tough decision, mate. It, it was a horrible time in, in my career, really, because you know it's a. You know, I grew up, you know, wanting to be an England player and played. Played all through the age groups, you know. Played twenties, and um, you know, I grew up. That's all I ever wanted to be and ever wanted to do. And um, it was a horrible, horrible decision really I had to make. Yeah, yeah, I bet. So at the, at, that, at the time of Gloucester, there was a lot of speculation. It wasn't just speculation, but like, wow, they've offered you, they've offered you a big deal. So was the situation with Leon just look? We, you know, we've come this far. We want to really, really consolidate. Here's here's even more money because they didn't give you that deal to start with, did they? Was it only after they realised that you were going that they stepped up? Yeah, well, I think. Well, it, 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 it was stupid from Leon because they had. I mean, they had. They had. I was this Leon player, and then they let me sign for someone else, and then re-sign me. The whole thing's an absolute joke. But um, it was. It, it was. I. I. I I said, look, I'm going back to England, and they were like, right, well, that's you know, that's what we're offering you. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going, um, and then I carried on playing really well, and I had a big game against Racing, ended up scoring two tries, and uh, we won at home there. And then I was just with my my mates were over as well, at, at Leon, just having a good time. And next minute, Pierre came up to me and was like, look, we'll give you this. You you're not going anywhere. You, you know, we want you to stay. And I said, right, well, if if you get to that, then, you know, it's it's, it's going to be an awkward uh, situation, but I've got to, I've got to stay at that. Uh, and then at that, exact the next day, I went to Gloucester and said, look, you know, I tried to do it as, as 
as well as I could. You know, I said, look, I don't really want to come back. They've they've offered me this. I want to I want to stay in France now. Um, can can you come to some agreement with with Leon and uh, and 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 then I'll I'll stay there and uh, so that, then it was left with the the clubs and they went back and forth and it got to the point where I was go I was going still going and then then I wasn't going and I was going and all my house was packed up um, and then I ended up having a meeting with um, Humphreys in Manchester uh, <laughs> and I said look look um, you're being totally unreasonable now like I've I've told you what what I want to do and I've I've tried to help you as well um, getting you know a good a good fee out of Leon and you know you're being unreasonable now and I and I you know I don't I don't appreciate that and and then and then it ended up ended up all getting sorted. Yeah, it's a strange one for me because you know obviously. I can't on one hand say it's disgusting that the clubs don't pay their contracts. And then on the other hand say, yeah, Carl, well done. Uh, you, you know, you were right to renegade on your contract. Um, no, but, but I on didn't, the other hand, there's a big difference. There's a big difference with some players, like one of their players actually in Moscow. I think it's Moscow. He, he just signed a deal with Leon and then up and went. So I've gone, I've gone, I've gone away. I've gone about it. Try to go about it in a in a professional way to help you know both parties get you know, obviously got to get a bit of compensation and then Leon keep me, you know, I've tried to... I guess the difference is you don't want a player who doesn't want to be there, do you? That's 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 the big difference. You know, if you if you're if you want to spend big money on a, on a big signing, you've got to make sure that they really want to be there. Otherwise, it's not going to work for either party. I, I think that's that's the bigger difference, really. Yeah, well, you know, for me, I, I totally made the right decision to go to to Gloucester. You know, if I was going to go to England, I, you know, for me, Gloucester was the you know the destination I wanted to be because you know South the rugby in the southwest, awesome. Uh, you know, they're a big, they are a big club, and um, you know, fan base is awesome as well. And so, you know, it, it definitely was from the options I had that year. You know, to come back to England, you know, Gloucester was. The right fit because as well I thought they were a lot better than they were putting out at the time as well so I could go in there and who, um, make a big difference. Who who were the toughest DOs to negotiate with and who have you negotiated with in the past? Oh, I haven't really negotiated with, with many. Agent? I haven't negotiated with any DOs really. Um, it's only that one that one that one meeting that I had with Humphreys and just said, look, like that's the only time really I've sat down and negotiated with, with the other that's interesting so you, you don't get phone calls like uh hey carl um i hear you coming on the market do you want it like just testing the interest oh yeah you'd get you'd have things like that but you'd never like i'd never you never really speak numbers with with the ors or stuff like that um keep that to your agent on that to the agent side of things because i always had a funny feeling that you might want to come back to sale at one point uh, well, yeah, I think um, would have been would have been a, ideal, uh, but I think uh, I'm not South African, am I? So. <laughs> Are you big enough, though? Yeah. When yeah. they were going through the stage of, sign- of signing a lot of players just after Simon had invested his money, I thought that would be that'd be a decent signing actually. That would work, and it did turn out that they do like buying lots of back rows. Yeah. Well. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is, though, mate, because, you know, I feel like I'm still playing well. Uh, you know, I played against, played against Leinster in the Champions Cup and ended up carrying, like, 100 metres against... And for me, they're one of the best defences in in Europe. They're, well, the best, probably, the, with Sarri, the best defences in Europe, if not the world. So, you know, I'm still, you know, still effective. And, and, and for me, there's still a lot more to come for me as well, because I'm... Still battling back a bit from from the knockout as well, um, you know. So I'm getting better each game. So do you, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. I still feel like I've got a lot to give. And um, do you think it's almost like a feeling that you might have priced yourself out of the market because you know you are a big player in you are a big player playing in France. You do have a, a contract large enough for you not to go to you know a good contract in, in Gloucester. Do you think there's a perception of how much it costs to get French players back over? Yeah, there's definitely. I don't know whether I priced myself out of the market because I don't know fully what my agent initially priced me at. Um, but uh, there's definitely a, a perception, yeah, that oh, Carlsen and that in France is no way he'll come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, like yeah, like... I think that's maybe what happened a little bit as well. Um, I think that happened a little bit to uh, Steph Armitage. Like, I mean, he was obviously on great money, doing wonderful things at Toulon. But there was an impression that, if, hey, if you want Steph Armitage to come over and play for you, uh, you're going to have to pay a lot of money. I mean, yeah. I mean, thinking back about that, that's a name that a lot of people have forgotten. And they forget how good he was for so long. And for him not to play for England, that's, that's unbelievable, actually. Yeah, well, I, 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 made, it, uh, I made it clear that you know, if I was to come back to England, then you know, I I was fully aware that I would, it wouldn't be on, on anywhere anywhere near the money I'm on in France. Um, I I, know I fully understood that it was mainly just because you know my family are going to be living in the UK now. Um, I would have liked some option, some option there, but it didn't come. And obviously now I'm um, you know looking forward to that Rouen challenge. Now. Uh... Obviously, you're off from Leon. Leon had a uh, an unusual number eight situation, and as I understand it, they now have an unusual number eight situation again. Uh, Bastro is back at Leon, right? And he, will he be taking your your place as a number eight from now on? Uh, he will. He will be playing number eight. Yeah, I think that was all done ages ago. Um, you know, when he had his initial stint yeah. uh, in Leon and then ended up going to New York, he was always going to come back to, to Leon. Um, so I was aware of that. Uh, so yeah, I think he, I think he'll play eight. They've just they just signed Gallant from um, Toulouse. Right. Um, so just, I'd just be interested to know your thoughts then, really. I mean, I've hardly ever heard of a back moving into the into the pack. Particularly one as high profile as Bastero. Um What do you think of him as like like as an eight? What what does he do well? Um, it, you know, is he going to go? You know, is he going to go and do a good good, good job in the, one of the most competitive leagues in in the world from there? Uh, I think I think he'll do all right. Uh, um, I think what he'll need to learn is organizing sort of men around him because especially in that Leon team the eight has a big big role in which you you know you organize your props around you and some some of the some of the props aren't very uh 
aren't, aren't very intelligent footballers, let's put it that <laughs> way. So, you know, you have a big job in your hands in the middle of the park, um, you know, dominate, trying to dominate that area. And, um, you know, I'm sure he, he's a he's an intelligent footballer, Bastard, and he's a strong leader as well. So I'm, I'm sure he'll do all right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've always been a, a huge fan. And one of the reasons I was such a big fan is, he was so unusual. So from that 13 channel, on certain lines that he would run, I honestly believe he was the best in the world. And also, I think, uh, you know, on his day, unstoppable. But I also think that the things that made him really good and unusual at 13, they're not that unusual, actually, in the pack. Like, he's not unusually big for a forward or unusually, you know, unusually fast or unusually anything, really. Not that he's unusually fast as a back, but, you know, he's... You know, he he looks like a forward anyway. You know, the advantages that he had no longer seem to seem to really st- stack up so much. Yeah, I think he'll do alright as well because a lot of Leon, they'll they'll probably use him off like star plays and off line out and stuff like that. So he'll be he'll be uh, straight into it there. It's more just like the phase play, uh, you know, getting into pods and because uh, you got a bit of a free roll as well at eight. So it's just all that phase play stuff he'll have to. I'm sure he'll. You know, get his head round. Yeah, and yeah, you know, without being uh, particularly uh, too, uh, particularly disrespectful here, like you, they were, Leon weren't exactly using you you in the lineup much, were they? So it's not like they have to reinvent the scheme. No, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, an old coach said to me, um, "Jump like a salmon, a salmon, a, t- a tin of salmon." That's how I jump. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to be around the lineup. I want to. Want to be in the in the in the back line hitting hitting the ball up or you know in, inside or outside ten uh, in defence you know that's where I want to be really. Yeah, uh, I I'm going to ask you a little bit about your um, about your time at Sale because um, obviously it's obligatory that I do that. But obviously you were there a long time before Sale got got good again. Um, were you around just after the? I guess you were around just after the. Glory years of the Premiership final, right? Yeah, so basically my first year, um, this is, well, there's a funny story actually because I went, I, I trained with the first team when I was 17 and um, they, I ended up doing this field session with them and I was running around like uh, full contact, tackling, tackling everyone. Um, and um, Val was chasing me around trying to trying to get me. Um, and then I had Wigglesworth saying, in his in his harsh man accent, like oh, you're not a twicking him now, lad, and um, and stuff like that. And I ended up getting going into the change room after that, thinking, oh my god, I'm gonna have to move clubs. Everyone everyone hates me. <laughs> um, and then next minute, the the door bursts open, and uh, Dean Schofield's there going, all right, all right, it's our kid. Um, yeah. I love I love that. I love that. I, I love keep keep doing that. I love that. And then. Um, so yeah, I went from thinking I had to move clubs that everyone hates me, and then Scoey came in and sort of uh, Sco- yeah, Scoey's absolutely class. Yeah, uh, I think do you know what I think he's actually still playing. Believe it or not, is he? Yeah, I think. Well, he definitely played last year. He played for Stockport last uh, last year. No, he was on my stag doing. I don't. I don't think he was. I don't think he's still playing. I'm, I'm telling you now, mate. If it wasn't last year, it was year before. But he's definitely played for Stockport because I was reading. I got a text from him asking what the Broughton Park team was. He had. He didn't know that I'd moved to um, Tock H. 
But uh, and and then I read I then I read the team sheet and it said Schofield. I, sh- I assumed it was his son or something, but no, it was actually him. Right. Yeah, because I yeah I was so I was there when they won. So the year after they won it, and then we had like a year before Philippe Saint Andre pretty much decided to take all our stars to France, and then yeah. luckily enough we had quite a strong academy, um, which sort of helped. Uh, we well the first year we still had you know stars like Charlie and Wiggy and stuff like that. They hung on for another year, but then. Yeah, we lost a lot of that team to to French clubs, and then we luckily just survived. Uh, I think we finished just above Leeds one year, and luckily survived. Um, and then we had like Brewer Brewer come in, and that was brutal. Like some of the stuff. Uh, I've heard that he he is actually brutal. Like if oh, were... it was it was brutal. Like uh, he'd he'd be screaming it. Uh, you know, David Tate and uh, Belly saying like, you know, your P forty five is in my office. This is in front of everyone. Uh, go and get go and get it in my office. So I remember Belly stood up and went, Go on then, let's go and get it. <laughs> and then uh, and then he, they just went into the office and it was just chaos. Um and then uh, yeah, and just like calling boys out in videos for just nothing. Like so there's one way he, he called um David Tate out and said like, "What's David Tate? Yeah, he's he's a lazy bastard. Like, look at him, look at him." And he just basically did exactly what you should do and go like north to south. Like when when there's a kick, yeah. So instead of honey potting around the rut, you go north south and you know keep your space. And that's what he did. And he ended up just des- destroying him in this meeting for How no bizarre. reason. Uh, and then you know there's loads of examples like that. But uh, there's there's one day we we had a we had a like a rule that if you were late you'd write your name on the board, and I was late one day and um, he was like there you go mate go and write your name on the board so I went I went and got the pen and wrote my name on the board and we had a we had another meeting after a meeting with the forwards and uh, Brewer hadn't turned up for about five minutes oh. and all the lads were like Fernsey you'd never you'd never tell him, you'd never tell him to write your name on the board. Write his name on the board. I was like, yeah, well, yeah, well, one of them. Like, of course you will. Oh, I'll definitely do it. And um, he came in. I got the pen and went, there you go. Hey, write, write your name on the board. Did, did he? No, no, he, he went berserk. He was like, <laughs> oh, fuck yourself, Fernsey. Don't ever fucking speak to me like that. And he was like, uh, I'm in here at 5 a.m. And I just went off it. So then I just went, all right, sat down like a little. Yeah. Little, little <laughs> Yeah, so you don't want to so you don't want to write your name. That um, uh, that's <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying. Unbelievable. I, I, it. I wonder if like. So I, I always think about um, how do you motivate a rugby team, particularly like when you've got guys like yourself in there, uh, who are just you know massive brutes who've always played the game and not really scared of anything. How do you, I? How do I make them do what I want? And I kind of think that sometimes it is that brewer mentality of just screaming your head off. But then on the other hand, I think you do look a little bit insecure by doing that. Yeah, well, ultimately it's the, you know, like Sam touched on it on, on the podcast. Ultimately it's the players, um, you know, having a common goal and uh, going out and, and doing it for each other. Um, you know, you can have, you can have, 
one of the worst coaches in, in the world and have a good tight knit group of players and they're going to do well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just can't, it's, uh, I think you've either got to dominate a rugby team or you've got to coerce them. I don't think you can be like in between. You can't let, you can't let the, you know, that team of alpha males get on top of you and you can't sort of be seen as a joke, I guess. is the. Why, why can't, why can't you be um, like vulnerable? Just why can't think, you? I just don't think you can. I think you get, I think the nature of rugby itself, you're always looking for vulnerability. So whether it be lads in the changing room, whether it be out on the field and you're trying to pick holes in the opposition, I mean that's basically part of your job is to look for vun- is to look for vulnerabilities. And if you feel that someone's either a fraud or, you know, I think that I think rugby teams are incredibly easy to lose, and the more competitive they are, the easier they are to lose. Do you think? Uh, well, no. For me, I just think if if you have a a top relationship with with the coach and he does show some vulnerability, and then you show some vulnerability, and yeah. you know, yeah. that relationship grows, and that's where that's when you start going extra miles for for blokes. You know what I mean? I agree with that. Like, I think what I'm saying is, I think there's basically two ways to do it, of doing it. There's the absolute domineering way, and I'm not sure that is always always the way. Oh, it never works, works mate. Or well, you know, I think Steve Diamond's quite domineering, isn't he, in, in his own way? Yeah, but then what of Sale won? Uh, well, I, I think by the end of the season we can we can rack up a trophy, uh, and uh, as we they, um, yeah, something, something will happen. Something, something will happen, and the, you know they're getting somewhere. But on the other hand, you see the Rob Baxters of the world. And they do it completely differently. But as I always say, not everyone can be be Rob Baxter. If if they could, they they uh, they would all be doing it. Yeah, yeah. So I I actually heard one about Mike Brewer, which was um, they were doing lineouts uh, before before a game, and I can't remember what they got wrong, but they got something wrong. Instead of trying to correct the lineout, he goes, "That's shit. Everyone stop. If that's shit now, you can be shit. shit uh, you can be shit on the weekend." And sent them all, and, and sent all the lads back to the changing room. Yeah, you told you told me this story last time, and I didn't remember it at the time. But um, now, like after that, I, I did remember that. I think because it was it was Rousey, like yeah. Rousey used, yeah. used to run the line out, and um, yeah, he did, I think he did he did do that. He was a good he was he was a good coach to be fair in terms of how he wanted to play, and um, yeah. So, but yeah, he did he did I remember that. Who's the, who's the coach that you've got on well with uh, best throughout your career? Uh, Neil Hatley at Bath. Yeah, uh, I, got on, I felt I got on well with um, a coach that I didn't necessarily realise, you know, was huge for me um, at the time was Kingsley Jones at, at Sale because he really sort of accelerated my career really and gave me. Gave me a lot of opportunities at sale and really pushed me, pushed me forward. Uh, so, um, you know, yeah, King Kingsley is huge for me. Um, yeah. You know, what? I bet, yeah. I bet a lot of lads would say that because the amount of young talent that came through sale around your time, whether it be you, Briggsy, is Foden a bit older than you? Yeah, Foden's older than me. Yeah. Yeah, it says Foden. I mean, Wigglesworth. I know he is older than you, but I mean, at the time, what was he? He might only be like three or four years older, right? Yeah, at the time he left, it, he was um, 
Yeah, still only young. Chris, Christian Day was fairly um, was fairly young when he left. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, uh, the list goes on and on. Yeah, they had um, Gasco, Gasco as well. Christ, people forget about him. Like, I think yeah. he, was, he was the youngest club captain in the in, in the Premiership when he was. At yeah, well, he he was um, he was captain when Bruce was in charge. Um, I, I just remember another story. I remember um, we played Wasp at home. Yeah, and um, and Charlie Archin scored all all our points. It was like. 35 we lost in the end but like it was because basically charlie we, we were winning and charlie's gone to clear clear a lines um and he's missed touch by like a centimeter or something and they caught it returned it and ended up keeping the ball for ages and then they, they won it with a penalty or something like that yeah and charlie had scored all, all the points and he came out in the press and said uh, just bagged Charlie. That's unbelievable, uh, isn't it? And just absolutely rinsed him. <laughs> and that's one thing you don't do is uh, attack attack Mr. Sale. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he just, from that, I think the next day he might have been gone, I think. When, when was that? So, when, when would you say the most enjoyable part of your career was? Because obviously you've been through the full range of it. Would it be something, something like, at the, at, like at the very start when professional rugby would be very exciting and you're playing with all those guys at Sale? Or a bit. You know, more like when you're getting a bit, a bit more senior at Leon with a bit more of a say and so on, so on, so forth. Yeah, probably, probably the 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 Leon thing because you're obviously a bit wiser and you've got a bit more responsi- responsibility and uh, you just just know the the crack a bit more, um, so you can enjoy it. Whereas yeah, like when you're younger and well, I, I definitely was. I was a bit like just just. Uh, didn't really stop and think, just to, like I'm, I'm in, into it, and you know I didn't realise that you know you can you can take your time a bit, and that rucks, the ball's not really going anywhere for that yeah. like half a second. Whereas when you're younger, you're just there, and you're probably there too early, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds quite sad because obviously I'm getting on in age now. I'm all of 36, and I look at the lads who are at sale now, like the 19 year olds who are just sort of making it in. I was like, it must be it must be awesome, awesome to be them now just kind of get like like get getting into rugby getting a fairly fairly good paycheck single right yeah exactly single being being paid to go to the gym doesn't get any better really no no well to to be fair like living in uh, we lived in a a rugby house in derbyshire road uh, in manchester that that was awesome Who, who are your housemates uh, so it was Mark Jones, Slum Quade, and uh, Goff Dew. Who? Uh, so I know Mark Jones. Who? Who? Uh, who? Who were the other two? Slum Quade. Oh, uh, the winger. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, and then we had Goff Goff Dew. Um, so we ended up. I, I was. I made the big mistake of trying to get an online degree uh, during <laughs> that period because uh, I went in there and with the intentions of doing a sports science degree and quickly realised I was kidding myself. Yeah, degrees were overrated anyway, mate. Massively <laughs> nah, we, overrated. Yeah, we de- we uh, now we enjoyed ourselves. There's the story um yeah, no we de- I won't say that story, but we enjoyed ourselves. Excellent, excellent. Mate, it's always a pleasure chatting and I'm glad that we managed to get something on tape pretty good. Um 
You're pretty active on Twitter. Why don't you tell everyone where you are? Um, I'm on at Carl underscore Fanes on Twitter. Yeah, I'm trying to stay. I'm not really using that as much as I did now. It's hard, isn't it? It is hard. Yeah. You go on there and it's nonsense which is going on. It's just yeah. unbelievable. But somehow I stick with it because, you know, you meet some good people through, through there as well, which, you, which is always important to remember. Yeah, well, definitely. I was going to... I was. I did actually shut, shut it down, but then I reopened it and I actually had someone um, sort of contact me through, through, through it and, uh, you know, I ended up helping them out a bit so you know there are i end up keeping it keeping it open because you know there is, there is options of people trying to reach out to me if they, if they want me to do something so yeah I, t- I tell you what i got rid of it it started covid i thought right that's it you know there's too much nonsense i thought this covid thing was going to be far more serious then it turns out not that it's not serious but i i, I don't know i had visions of a dystopian future uh, and twitter wasn't involved in it and um, for that, that week, my house was immaculate. I was up to date with all my admin. Bills were paid on time. Uh, improved on my uh, improved on trumpet playing. Like the the, yeah, the opportunity cost, which is sunk into uh, Twitter on a weekly basis, is unbelievable. Do you play the trumpet? Do you? Of course, I play the trumpet, Carl. Of course. How I did I not know this? Uh, I took it up last year. I, I what happened is I was cycling home, and I just thought, do you know what? And then actually, I'll tell you what actually happened. I was in Rome with phil and tim doing egg chasers we went to watch um italy versus all blacks and we got quite drunk in a bar on negronis and and some guy was doing jazz on his trumpet i thought that's really cool as soon as i go home i'm gonna get a trumpet and i was cycling home in in december i was thinking do you know what i'm gonna go and get that trumpet now so i took a detour from my cycle home from oldham went into manchester on the spur of the moment picked up a trumpet and i've been playing ever since still rubbish but i do enjoy it now you need you need to go to a France England game and play that that one. Yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, that, you know, that tune, tune you do, and then everyone goes. Hey, yeah, I, I I will not play it in public yet. I, when I say I'm not very good, I'm I'm, I'm not lying there. I'm I'm not being fa- falsely modest. I really am not very good. What grade would you say you are? Like, because there's five grades, isn't it? Uh, I am doing my grade one. Any well, as soon as we can do grades again, I'll I'll be doing my grade one. Because did you know I, I'm a grade two sax- saxophonist? I did not know that. Yeah. I, um, Are you still playing? No, I'm not still playing. So I basically said to myself, right, I'm going to learn the Simpsons theme tune and then quit. <laughs> so, I, yeah, my thing was I want to learn the um, I want to learn the Egg, cha- the Egg Chaser theme tune, which is the Washington Post March. And I've got fairly far with that, actually. But, um, yeah, I, I quite enjoy it. Well, why do you... Why don't you pick? Why don't you pick it up again? Uh, well, I might do. Now I'm in in Rouen by myself, so I'll have a bit of time. So I might do. And also, isn't wasn't isn't Lyon like the jazz capital of France? I, I know it's the food capital. I don't know whether it's the jazz capital. I think it might be because when I looked at flights over there, I made a little map of where places to eat and places to go drinking. It seems to be they've got a lot of jazz bars. Right. Um, have I, 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 I haven't been in one, wrong? but I, I usually just stayed around Brotto. There's a few good clubs around there. Ah. Brotto. Well, yeah, you should continue to play, mate, and you should continue to get that uh, Simpsons Simpsons the- Simpsons theme tune done. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will. Excellent. All right, mate. Well, thanks again, and uh, yeah, yeah we'll um, 
we'll chat soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. See you in a bit. All right, mate. Cheers. Thanks for that call.